All right, well, uh, some time ago, there was a newspaper in Tacoma, Washington, that ran a story about a dog named Tattoo, which is a great name, isn't it? Like, why, like if I have a dog, I could definitely name a dog Tattoo. That's a great name. Um, well, one day, Tattoo's owner was uh, really in a hurry to get off to work and accidentally closed the door of his car with Tattoo's leash uh, still like in the door. And uh, his owner started driving off and Tattoo had no choice but to start following after the car. And the car started driving faster and faster and of course Tattoo had to run faster and faster and faster just to keep up with this car. According to the newspaper, a motorcycle officer named Terry Filbert noticed a passing vehicle with something that appeared to be uh, being drugged along behind it. The officer said that he realized it was a dog, and as he described it, the dog was picking him up and putting him down as fast as he could. And you can just picture this little dog just going as fast as he can, even rolling a few times, and the officer said even going up to about 25 miles an hour. Fortunately, the officer was able to stop the car and save Tattoo's life. And I just thought today, that's a great picture of so many of our lives. We get so busy, and we literally, in some days and some weeks, are picking them up and putting them down as fast as we possibly can. We're chasing that car, hoping somehow, some way, we're just going to be able to keep up. Some of you, are, you're here today, and uh, you just put in another 60-hour work week. And you're going and going, and you, you keep telling yourself, you're saying, someday I'm going to catch up to that car. But do you, do you ever have a time where you just stop and rest? We have some moms here, and our moms are amazing. Uh, and I, I just think about all, that's, all that you try to juggle every week, whether it's making sure that the kids have food, to eat, you're preparing food, you're uh, doing work with virtual school, you have your own work, many of you. Moms, when was the last time you had a chance just to sit down and rest? <laughs> there was actually a laugh for those of you online. Somebody just laughed. Uh, a mom. Uh, you know, some of you, it's not how busy your life is, but it's actually the battle that you're going through. And some, some days, some weeks, it's, it feels like you're being drugged behind a car. Life is just dra dragging you through. And you are mentally and spiritually exhausted by life. And what we need most when we're exhausted is rest. And many of us here today need some good news of rest. Well, the passage before us, which is Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 13, it tells us today that there is a rest for the people of God. Isn't that good news? God has a rest for us, and we can enter into that rest. We can experience it deeply by trusting in Jesus Christ. That's what I want to talk to you about today. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, will you open it up with me to Hebrews 4 as we continue to walk our way through this incredible book. This has been an amazing study. And we're just going verse by verse through Hebrews. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, we're in a series here at Hope called uh, The Book of Hebrews, Jesus is Better. Uh, we are going to take a little break from our Hebrews series next week. We have Jake and Deanna Obot coming to join us. And Jake is going to share a message with us during the service. 
Uh, we're going to get an update on how their ministry is going. For those of you who don't know, Jake and Deanna, they're one of our global partners, and they are serving with crew at UMBC in Baltimore. So we're excited to hear from Jake and Deanna next week. But today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. And as we read Hebrews chapter 4 together, you're going to notice a repetition of a couple of words. And those are the words rest and enter. You hear rest repeated, enter repeated, and that's because God's desire for every one of us today is that we would enter into God's rest, the rest that he has for us. So let's read this together. Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 13. My Bible says, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Amazing. Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have, the good, have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on my oath, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Okay, he's, he's quoting here from Psalm 95. And if you remember last week in chapter 3, the author quotes Psalm 95 and applies it to his readers. So he's continuing to apl apply Psalm 95 to us today. And God declared in Psalm 95, So I declared, in my anger they shall never enter my rest. So he's applying this whole topic of rest to us today. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Wow, that is a complicated passage, isn't it? There's a lot going on there. And it's even more challenging because if you'll notice... Some ideas are repeated throughout, and that's because our author is uh, arguing in a circle a little bit, which, by the way, is a very Jewish way at that time of presenting an argument. And uh, so what we're going to do today is, is we're actually going to simplify this a little bit um, it, by going to the center of the argument, which is right in the middle of the passage, 
and working our way out with some of these parallel rings of argument. You can think of it like the target logo. We want to go right to the middle at the center of the target. And then we're going to look at these parallel ideas that are um, on the outer rings. And by doing that, it's actually going to simplify this whole thing. And we're going to be able to look at three powerful questions. Um, and these are the three questions we want to look at today. Number one, what is the rest that God has for us? Remember, our author is applying Psalm 95 to us, and he's applying that specifically to our rest, and he's going to define what that rest is. So number one, what is that rest? Number two, what is it like? The author gives us a picture that's going to help us understand what this rest is like. And then number three, how can we enter it? How can you and I enter that rest? That's what we want to look at today. So before we dive in, let's pray, and then we'll uh, go through this passage together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. <laughs> thank you for the glory of Jesus Christ, that he, uh, he sits in heaven, seated at the right hand of, ma of the majesty on high. And God, we need to understand today that you are sovereign, you are in control, and you are the God of rest. So I pray that as we come to your word, I pray that your word would cut right to the heart, that it would go to the deepest areas of our life. God, go right to the idols of work and performance and teach us about the rest that we can have in Jesus through trusting in him. And I pray that all of us will leave here today, God, with a vision of you and of the rest you offer us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we want to dive in to this passage today. And we want to look specifically at these three questions. The first question is, what is the rest God has for us? What is the rest God has for us? And if you guys remember last week, the author is applying Psalm 95, verses 7 to 11, to us and to his readers. And I actually want to go back to Hebrews 3, which we studied last week, and I want to put this psalm up on the screen, just because um, the author applied that last week and is continuing to apply that this week. So this thought is being carried into our study today. And here's the quotation from Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what they did. Isn't it interesting that God's people experienced miracle after miracle in the wilderness and yet still didn't believe? That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, God said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That's Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. It's also Psalm 95, 7 through 11. Now, Psalm 95 is, of course, written by David. Um, but when the, the author of Hebrews quotes it, who does he say wrote Psalm 95? Doesn't he says the Holy Spirit says. So it's, a, it's just a powerful picture, again, of the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired by God. It is breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And we get that right here um, in Hebrews. You see it here. So Psalm 95 is written by David. David's retelling the story of the wilderness generation. It's a very simple story. God is bringing his people out of the land of Egypt, and he is taking them to the promised land. And none of those people made it into the land. They tested God, they tried God, they hardened their hearts, they did not listen to his voice. And God declares an oath in his anger, they shall never enter my, what? My 
rest. Good. Hey, you guys are with me. Sweet. Uh, you will never enter my rest. That's what it says in Psalm 95. When David says they will never enter my rest, when God says they will never enter my rest, what are they talking about there? What's the rest they're talking about in Psalm 95? What is it? The promised land. Good, that's right. The promised land. So the rest that God has for his children in Psalm 95 is the rest of the promised land. God is bringing his people into a resting place in the land of Canaan. But the wilderness generation never made it. They failed to enter God's rest. They failed to enter the resting place of the promised land. And David is saying... Don't do that. Don't be like that generation. Isn't it interesting? When David is writing Psalm 95, where is he? Where, where are God's people? They're in the promised land. So that's where the author of Hebrews is saying something greater is going on here. Because if they're in the rest, and today they can enter that rest, there's a greater rest. Well, we know how Israel made it into the promised land. We did a whole series on that in the fall, on the book of Joshua. Joshua leads God's people into the promised land. You know, walls come down, all that. Joshua brings the people into the land, and then at the end of the book of Joshua, he gathers all the people together. Listen to this, Joshua 22.4. This is what Joshua says. He says, Now to the people of Israel, now the Lord your God has given you rest, just as he promised. If that's what God said at the end of the book of Joshua, why is David talking about rest 400 years later? Saying today you can enter that rest. Aren't they in the promised land? They are. So what is the rest that we can enter by faith? That's what the author of Hebrews is asking. Look at Hebrews 4, 6. Told you we're going right to the center. We're not going verse by verse in a normal fashion. We're going to start in the center of the target, work our way out. What's the rest that remains? Look at Hebrews 4, 6. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, he's saying, look, David's still talking about rest. They're in the land. It still remains for some to enter that rest. And since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them, the wilderness generation, they didn't go in because of their disobedience, God set a certain day, calling it today. He did this when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains another rest. There remains another day. That's what David's saying. He's applying this psalm. There is a future rest for the people of God. A rest awaits. But if Joshua didn't bring God's people into the rest, the perfect rest that God had, who does bring us into that rest? You know, it's very interesting. Uh, the, the Greek word for Joshua, the name of Joshua in Hebrews 4.8 is actually Iesus, which is Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Some translations actually say, for if Jesus had given them rest, but people are all like confused. Because by the way, Jesus and Joshua, that's the same name. In Hebrew, it's Joshua. In Greek, it's Jesus. So Old Testament Joshua, if you want to write his name in Greek, is Jesus. If you want to 
talk about Jesus' name in Hebrew, it's Joshua. It's the same name. So you can't miss the connection the author's trying to make here between Jesus and Joshua. The name is the same. Joshua brought a rest, but it was just a shadow rest. It was just a picture of the heavenly rest that we have through trusting in Jesus Christ. Jesus is better. Isn't that the theme? He's better than Joshua because he brought a better rest. The rest Jesus came to give every one of us is a forever rest. It's a rest we have in Christ. You remember what Jesus said? He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's our greater Joshua bringing us into the promised land. God has a rest for us. A rest awaits. And I would just ask you today, where do you go for rest? A show, a game, vegging out, a walk. See, what, what this is saying is that real rest can only be found in Jesus Christ. Our hearts are restless, Augustine says, until our souls find rest in thee. We have a rest that we can enter into today through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? See, what's the rest that God has for us? It's a rest that remains. It's a rest that's yet to come. It's a heavenly rest that God gives to those who put their trust in him. We have a heavenly calling. Our hope is not here on earth. Our hope is in heaven because Jesus is and he will always be our ultimate rest. A glorious, glorious rest awaits the people of God, awaits me and you today. That's the center of our chapter. That's where Psalm 95 is going, where Hebrews has taken us. So let's go out to the next ring of our passage. What will our rest be like? And you're going to see, a, you're going to see the parallels between these, the outer ring here in our passage. What will our rest be like? kind of asking like what's heaven going to be like isn't it i think that's a great question you know heaven we're going to have this ultimate enjoyment of the presence of god but heaven is also going to be a place of perfect rest and i wonder if you can think of a place where you've experienced almost a near experience of that perfect rest i was thinking about uh, sandy cove for those of you who've been there and just watching the sun set over the headwaters of the chesapeake and just feeling totally at peace and at rest have you had an experience in your life that's like heaven you know i think heaven's going to be a little bit like that moment of watching the sun come down over the, the chesapeake bay and our author today says you know what i want to give you a picture of rest you, you want to know what heaven's going to be like? Let me tell you what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is like joining God in his Sabbath. That's what heaven is going to be like. Did you catch that in the, the scripture today? Heaven is going to be like joining God in his Sabbath. It's a beautiful picture. And we see that in, in the outer rings of, uh, of our passage today. And, and we're, so we're going to look at verses 3 and 4 and 9 and 10. Both are talking about this Sabbath rest. So let's start with verses 3 and 4. This is what it says. 
God's, work have, God's works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. So our author's taken us back to Genesis 2-2. God works six days, and on the seventh day, God rests. Was this a rest of exhaustion? Does God get tired? Does he grow weary? No. He was not, it was not a rest of exhaustion. It was a rest of completion. The Lord saw everything that he had made, and it was good. It is this moment of rest and joy and just taking pleasure in all that he had created. And what Hebrews says is that God's, work have, God's works have been finished since the creation of the world, which means God is still in this seventh-day rest. And if you'll notice in Genesis, each day has... There was evening and morning the first day. There was evening and morning the second day. You get to the seventh day, there's no end of the seventh day. The day of rest continues, and we can enter into that rest. Just like Adam and Eve got to enter into that rest, as they had perfect fellowship with God as they walked in the garden. And you and I today can enter that rest. Because our God is a God of rest, and heaven is a place of rest. So verses 9 and 10 reiterate the same idea. We see these parallel ideas. Um, Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Our rest is like joining God in his Sabbath. Verses 9 and 10, same idea. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. There remains, I love this line, there remains a rest for the people of God. A day is coming, amen, when our works will cease. Our our trials will come to an end. The battle will be over and we will enjoy God in perfect, unending, heavenly joy and rest. That day is coming. No more stress, no more pressure, no more fears, no no more battles. Just wonderful, wonderful rest. That's God's promise for me and for you. That rest is awaiting the people of God. But you know, here's what's crazy. We don't have to die to know what heaven is like. Although that's certainly going to help. Because we're going to, all that's, you know, we see uh, in a mirror dimly and then we're going to see face to face. But here's what's amazing. If you want to understand what your heavenly Sabbath is going to be like, you can get a taste of it in an earthly Sabbath. You want to know what that heavenly rest is like? You can get a great taste of that heavenly rest in a once-a-week Sabbath rest. What's a Sabbath day? Sabbath is a 24-hour period that is set apart to God, and it's set apart from our work. The idea of Sabbath is one day every week We're not going to work. No more hustling. We're not trying to accomplish anything. It is just a day of rest for you. It is a day of rest for your family. We're not accomplishing anything. It says we're resting from our work just as God rested from his work. A Sabbath day is a day to pause and to rest and to heal. It's a great day to, to worship. It's a 
Keep the Sabbath day. It's a holy day. It's a day of going to church and worshiping God and enjoying the fellowship of other believers. And I'll tell you, as our family has, has practiced a day of rest, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It's like a taste of heaven every week. It's something we look forward to. Why do we need to practice Sabbath? I would say that God has, has, God created us for a rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest. God did not create our bodies for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. God created us for work and he created us for rest. And I just think if God rested on the seventh day, maybe I should too. In fact, rest is commanded by God in the Ten Commandments. Isn't that interesting? How much does God love us to command us to rest? Quite a bit, right? Because what were the, what were the Israelites experiencing in Egypt? Did they get to rest? No, they were slaves. It was seven days a week. And they come out of Egypt and God says, you know what? Here's how much I love you. I love you so much, I want to tell you today to take a day of rest. It's actually the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I'm telling you guys, when we do that, it's like a taste of heaven. Try it out. Experience it for yourself. Sabbath is a foretaste of the rest we get to experience forever in heaven. And if you can't take a moment of rest now, then I think heaven's just going to drive you crazy. Because that's what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a Sabbath rest. It's going to be the ultimate enjoyment of God in perfect delight and rest. That's what heaven's like. So what is the rest God has for us? It's our heavenly home. It's the rest we have in Jesus. What's it like? It's going to be like the ultimate Sabbath rest. Last question. How do we get there? All right, here's where we get to the outer ring. The beginning and the end of the passage. You guys see the parallel ideas? We got, went right to the center. We're applying Psalm 95. Then we went out um, one click. We're talking about the seventh day. Now we're going to go out to the final circle here. And we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. So, how do we enter that rest? What does it say? The very last line. It says, we who have what? We who have believed enter that rest. Believe what? Believe the good news. Right? Believe the message of Jesus, we who believe the good news, we have an opportunity to rest in God, to enter that rest through faith in Jesus Christ. This is our good news of rest. This is our gospel of rest. Have you guys ever been so happy to sleep in your bed? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever 
been away on vacation, maybe you're camping and you're just, you get home and you are so happy to finally sleep in your bed. Maybe you spent some days in the hospital or something like that and it's like you're finally home and you're like, oh, I'm so happy to be in my bed. Thank you, Lord. I can finally rest. Angie and I spent some time in China in this, these dorm rooms with bunk beds and I'm telling you the mattresses were like one inch thick made of yak fur. And uh, we're, you know, we're just trying to make the best of these thin mattresses and just joking around. I'm like, yeah, once you go yak, you never go back. You know, like this has to be great, right? Well, 15 days of that and we were ready to go back. <laughs> we were done with yak. Uh, so, and then we finally get home and it's like, oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be in my bed. I'm so happy to have that good news of rest. Well, guys, we have good news of rest. And our passage tells us that Jesus is our gospel of rest. Because of what Jesus did, because Jesus came, because he became a man, because he died on the cross and rose from the dead, we have rest available to us today. Salvation is available to us today. The presence and the glory of God is available to you and to me today. And it's actually God's word that teaches us how to access our rest. Isn't it amazing that we don't access our rest through our own effort and through our own work? Our rest is in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And so because Jesus said it is finished, because Jesus paid the ultimate price, I can trust him and find my rest in him. That's the gospel of rest. That's the good news of rest today. He's seated in majesty. He's crowned with glory and honor. So that means my heart can rest today, not because of me, not because I'm going to do this, not because I'm in control, but because Jesus is on the throne. That's where my rest comes from. I can rest because Jesus reigns over it all. Oh, thank you, Lord, and I trust in that, and I find my rest. And I can tell you day after day how vital it is for my life with the stress and the pressure to start my day resting in who Jesus is. If you are resting in your works and in your control, you will never find rest. But if you will rest in Jesus and his finished work on your behalf, you can find that rest every second of every day. That's the promise we have before us. See, it's we who believe that enter that rest. There is no rest for the wicked, but those who trust in Jesus Christ enter God's rest. And so the scripture says, today, if you hear God's word, don't harden your heart. And let me just tell you about that word. Because our author talks about it at the very beginning, the good news, this word that's come to us, and at the very end of the passage, from the beginning to the end of verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So what's he saying? He's saying God's word today is powerful. It cuts to the heart. 
it goes to the very deepest level of our lives, to the very place where God can uncover things and transform our hearts. That's the power of God's Word. Everything in our lives is laid bare before Him. Every sinful attitude, every sinful choice, the way that we trust in our own strength. And God's saying, come before the Word. Let it all be laid bare so that you can find your rest in me. And so how do we believe? How do we fight the fight of faith? How do we fight sin? How do we walk in victory? It's by fueling our faith each day, by daily time in God's Word. That's how we're going to walk in victory, and that's how we're going to walk in rest. So I know it's a lot today. I know this is a complicated passage. But I also know if you're anything like me, one of the things you're longing for most of all in life is just some rest. And the great promise of this passage is that we can, ha- we can find our rest. We can enter that rest through faith in Jesus Christ. So what do you want to take with you today? Maybe for you, to rest would be to get into God's Word and to start reading your Bible every single day. And to fuel your mind with those promises doesn't depend on me. It depends on the God who loves me. So maybe it's coming before the Word and having your heart and soul refreshed by Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you need a day of rest. Maybe you're going to say, you know what, today, for me, for my family, I'm declaring today is a Sabbath day of rest. I'd encourage you to try that out. Uh, So maybe it's taking a Sabbath day. Or maybe now it's just coming close to Jesus as we worship him and just resting in his presence. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Will you stand with me as we pray and, and prepare our hearts? Jesus, thank you for inviting us to come right now to your presence and to find our rest. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for our sins and that our our salvation, our ultimate rest, doesn't depend on us, but it depends on you. So I pray as we come into your presence today, I pray that we would find our rest in you. And for all the challenges we're facing, for the battles, for the stress, for the pressure, I pray right now, God, that we would surrender all of those things to you in trust that you've got it under control. And help us to experience the love that says, rest in me today. I love you. Rest in me.